Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone, rest your cause. Hello, Edwin. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing today, my friend? Well, I am making it. It's a good day. We're going to continue in John this week, chapter 12. I want to read from the English Standard Version, verses 1 through 19. Remember last week, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This week, we're going to see some of the consequences of that. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped her feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Mm. There is a lot going on with Lazarus and with his family. I was uh, thinking the 11th chapter of John is plenty long, like 57 verses. But (laughs) I could see why maybe they would have waited uh, a little longer to even start the 12th chapter. Sure. Because you have the rest of this story here about Mary. She's introduced in the 11th chapter as the one who had anointed his feet with oil. Before that story is told, we get that here in the in the 12th chapter. But then, as you mentioned, even the consequences about Lazarus' death, we just have so much more to say about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. As we pointed out last week, even if one rises from the dead, if folks don't want to believe, they're not going to believe. The idea that if we could just show a miracle, everyone would, would just fall on their faces and praise and glorify God, that's just not true. Miracles were shown. Some people were impacted by the miracles, but people who didn't want to believe didn't believe even when there were miracles. Yeah. And that's one of the fascinating points here is that we've got sign after sign leading up to this one where he raises Lazarus from the dead. And of course, the ultimate sign that we still have yet to get to, which is Jesus himself being raised from the dead. And the folks who don't want to believe don't believe. 
Absolutely. In fact, we so don't believe that rather than believing, we'd, we'd rather kill Lazarus kill so Lazarus. that nobody else will believe. Yeah, We're, we're afraid plot. others are going to start believing. And a so plot to kill Jesus and a plot to kill Lazarus. And so we, we have that going on here. You know, the other thing we've got going on, just reading through the book, the way John tells a story or the Holy Spirit through John tells a story, you've got uh, Mary talked about that little foreshadowing there in the 11th chapter about the perfume. Now we get the perfume story. But when we get the perfume story, it's really to tell us some more about Judas, Judas. Yeah. and his response to it, which is some foreshadowing of who he's going to be in the next right. few chapters. Right. John is already setting the stage for us so that when Judas betrays Jesus, it's not a complete shock to us. Yeah, but again, like, well, that's not quite right. But again, we have John writing in the second or third generation of Christianity, folks who already know the story. This is not John giving new information. Mm-hmm. This is John setting what he believes folks really already know about Judas and now giving us a broader picture. The interesting thing is, is that John did not know Judas was doing this while he was doing it. Correct. When we get to the night of betrayal and Jesus tells everybody, hey, somebody's going to betray me. Nobody said, oh, I bet it's that guy because he's a thief. They all thought of themselves before they thought of him. They sure did. So so this is something John learned later Mm -hmm. about Judas and is informing us as we're reading the account going through it. So much stuff in those first couple of paragraphs, but I really want today to spend some time talking about Jesus with his triumphal entry, Mm -hmm. and especially thinking about him riding in on the colt of a donkey, or the foal of a donkey, depending on the translation. What a beautiful picture here in the 12th verse. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna. Uh, blessed who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. I just love that. Here are the crowds welcoming him in. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a reference back to Psalm 118. Yeah, that's right. In Psalm 118, verse 25, save us, we pray, O Lord, which is Hosanna. Mm-hmm. That's where the Hosanna is. Save us, O Lord, Hosanna. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. We recognize this this prayer of Hosanna. Save us, we pray. They're remembering this. Uh, So we've got already John is letting us... No, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at the writings, the law, the prophets, what yeah. was foretold, what was said of the Messiah as he's going to come. And then now we come to this issue of him riding on a young, a young donkey, just as it is written. And here's how John quotes it. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Mm-hmm. This is a quote from Zechariah chapter 9. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humbled and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so each of the Writers who take a look at this triumphal entry and see Jesus coming in on the donkey, they reference Zechariah chapter Mm 9 and this fantastic prophecy that we have there. But I want us to think about this. I'd like us to maybe shift our view. Let me just share this with you. You can push back. Maybe I'm making too much of this, and you can let me know if you think I am. 
I don't think what we're supposed to do is see Zechariah 9.9 as a foretelling promise and prophecy of the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come in, and he's going to do this thing, and when he does it, now you're going to know this is the Messiah. Because in Zechariah 9, what we need to recognize is the one who was coming into Israel is the Lord. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, in Zechariah 9, beginning at verse 1, the oracle of the word of the Lord is against the land of Hadrach, and Damascus is its resting place. For the Lord has an eye on mankind and on all the tribes of Israel, and on Hamath also, which borders on it, Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. Tyre has built herself a rampart, and heaped up silver like dust, and fine gold like mud of the streets. But behold, the Lord will strip her of her possessions, and strike down her power on the sea, and she shall be devoured by fire. Ashkelon shall see it and be afraid. Gaza, too, shall writhe in anguish. Ekron also, because its hopes are confounded. The king shall perish from Gaza. Ashkelon shall be uninhabited. A mixed people shall dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the pride of Philistia. I will take away its blood from its mouth and its abominations from between its teeth. It, too, shall be a remnant for our God. It shall be like a clan in Judah, and Ekron shall be like the Jebusites. Then I will encamp at my house as a guard so that none shall march to and fro. No oppressors shall again march over them, for now I see with my own eyes. After this discussion of God coming to Jerusalem, conquering enemies, setting up residence again in his house, then it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he, humble and mounted on a donkey. In the original context, it was not, hey, sometime in the future, this man is going to come in and you're going to know he's the Messiah because he's going to do this thing. In the original context, it's the statement, God is coming in. Mm -hmm. The Lord, your king, is coming in. In fact, let me share something with you. In Zephaniah, Another one of the what we often call minor prophets. We have a very similar passage. Zephaniah 3 and verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. See, hear the, the remnants there of Zechariah. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies, which is what Zechariah 9, 1 through 8 was all about. The king of Israel, here it is, the Lord is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I, I hope you notice that in that Zephaniah passage, we actually have the instruction to Fear, fear not, not, daughter of Zion, which yeah. we didn't have in Zechariah. In Correct, the Zechariah yeah. passage, fear not is not there. I think what John is doing is actually mashing up these two passages, the Zephaniah promise and the Zechariah promise, hmm. because they go together. Yeah. But here's the thing I want you to see. In Zechariah and Zephaniah, who is the king? The Lord is the king. The Lord. God. God. Yahweh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yahweh is the king. Mm-hmm. This is what I think we're supposed to see here. This is not merely a, here's a promise of the Messiah. When the Messiah comes, look for a guy who's going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And when that happens, you know you've got the Messiah. What we have is, here's our God. This mm -hmm. is what our God does. Our God comes into Jerusalem, and he's a conquering king, and he's a hero, and he's mighty, and he's wondrous, and he's going to deliver us, and it's going to be amazing. When Jesus chooses to come into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey... 
It's not, I'm fulfilling a checklist prophecy. It's, I'm declaring to you who I am. Mm-hmm. I am the Lord. And, and I, I want us to see that, I mean, I, I don't want to deny any concept of messianic prophecy. Of course, I think well, all of the scripture, it, it all of the Old Testament be. is yeah, messianic it prophecy. Still would be. But the point being that the Messiah is not just a man. When Jesus chooses to come into town in this way, he's saying, do you remember when that passage was talking about the Lord? Let me tell you who I am. I am the Lord. And for folks who would tell us that, well, Jesus never actually claimed to be God. Yeah. No, right here, he's claiming to be God. It's not in words, but it's in deeds. He's saying, I am God, and I am coming in to be king. Well, in this respect, it echoes what we saw when we were talking about the Good Shepherd passage in John 10. We were highlighting from Ezekiel 34, I am the Lord and coming to the people as the shepherd. Yes. Right. And so it is its own affirmation of identity. Yes. I, I think I'm, I think I'm tracking what you're saying instead of every man who ever rode a donkey into Jerusalem. Yeah. And, and there was some like, uh, you know, rabbi sitting at the, at the gate saying, well, this is the first mark of a Messiah. He came <laughs> in on a donkey. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep watching them. Right. Because you and I could go over there and ride into Jerusalem. Exactly. On a it, it, it wasn't like that. It was uh, this is what the Lord does. This is how he arrives. And so the affirmation is I am the Lord. And that's exactly the point. Jesus is making a declaration about himself here. Is he the Messiah? Of course, he's the Messiah. Yeah. But but again, the point was and he's the Messiah, whether he rode into Jerusalem on that donkey or not. Again, Zechariah was not. One of these days, wait for a guy. If, if he doesn't ride in on a donkey, he's not the Messiah. That's, that's not what the point of that promise was or that prophecy in context. But Jesus is very particularly choosing to mimic and mirror that passage in order to say, not only am I the Messiah, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. I am King. I appreciate the mashup observation you made mm. about drawing out from Zephaniah, fear not, yes. daughter of Zion, that this is a time to take courage that the Lord has come. Yes. It's a good thing that the Lord has come. And uh, maybe we'll talk more about that, the idea that he has come to save and not for judgment at this coming. I think that's important. We will see that. We will definitely see that. But I think we're out of time now, so yeah. why don't you lead us in prayer? Our great God and Father, we thank you for today. We're glad that we can start reading together and discussing John 12 this week. There's just so much in it as we learn about these wonderful deeds of Christ and uh, to see it in our mind's eye and the eye of faith, this beautiful triumphal entry that uh, the Lord has come to his people. And uh, Hosanna for that. And we're glad that we can be your people by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hosanna. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.